Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Bridge the Atlantic. We are your host, music web designer, Ross Barber, owner of Electric Kiwi, where we create awesome custom websites for bands, artists, and musicians. And I'm award-winning singer-songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, and indie filmmaker, Marcia Novelli, founder of the electronic rock band, Midnight Soundtrack. This week, we are joined by Los Angeles-based celebrity brand strategist, Phil Pellin. Phil builds brands for TV personalities, experts, and entrepreneurs. You've seen his clients on Shark Tank, Dancing with the Stars, American Idol, The X Factor, Project Runway, The Doctors, and more. He's been featured on Access Hollywood as a celebrity brand expert and was recently named one of the most influential educators in digital marketing uh, for 2015 by the Online Marketing Institute. In 2014, Phil released his first book, Shut Up and Tweet, which contains game-changing strategies that will turn you into a Twitter rock star. Phil's expertise has earned him speaking engagements worldwide, including events such as New Media Europe in Manchester, England, and Arctic 15 in Helsinki, Finland. We're excited to learn more about Phil and the advice he'd offer to musicians and other creatives. So let's just jump right into it and say, hey, Phil, how's it going? Hey. Hey, I'm going to bring the two of you with me everywhere I need to go for an intro because that was good. So make you feel pumped and ready to do this interview or what? It does. Yes, I'm so happy to join both of you. It's, uh, it's going to be good. We're going to get into some good stuff. Well, let's start off by uh, having you tell us three things about yourself that everyone should know. Three things that everyone should know. Um, I am Canadian. I like to let people know. I Yes, just like you. I yeah. grew up in Canada. I moved to the States um, for grad school and just ended up staying. That's one thing. Another thing that people should know is that I am honest. Um, That makes me good at my job, I think, Um, is I always like to be honest with my clients and my friends, but not rude, but honest. There's a difference. Assertiveness. Um, Assertiveness. Assertive, yes, right? Um, And then um, uh, what else? One thing that people should know about me is that I love to travel. I love to travel. This has been a really fun year because, uh, as you mentioned, I've done a lot of conferences, keynoting and speaking at conferences. I've been to Europe twice. I saw you, Ross Barber, when I was in uh, Scotland for a quick day trip and been to Asia, going back at the end of this month. Um, So two trips to Asia, two trips to Europe, and I'm loving life. I love what I do. I love my job. That's thing number four and we love your energy and that's why you're on the show man we love it so (laughs) positive and just so uplifting and uh you love what you're doing and and we can we can feel that because we love what we do too and speaking of honest uh ross was telling me that you're incredibly honest so honest that it comes down to uh, a parent's offspring ross do you Mm -hmm. want to elaborate on that a little bit yeah so phil Mm -hmm. in your twitter bio you say if your baby is ugly it's my job to tell you can you expand on that yeah, I do say that. Um, that's been my Twitter bio now. It used to change it all the time, but that's been my Twitter bio now for, 
at least over a year or two. Um, All right, well, Phil, tell me, are my kids yeah. ugly? And see, this is what people do. Your you kids see? are definitely you not see? ugly. Okay, thank you. This is what people <sighs> do. I know that. Oh, see, it, sigh of relief. Thank you. People, I get, <laughs> I get pictures almost daily of people's children, and that's not something I'm asking for, by the way, uh, just to be clear, but it happens. I mean, it, what's great is I use my Twitter bio in a way that I want everyone else to, which is to start conversations. So your Twitter bio, tell me who you are and why anyone should care, but then also give me some indication of your personality because online, I don't have the luxury of being face-to-face. -face. I mean, this is as face-to-face -face as we're going to get. What people don't know listening is that we've spent half an hour trying to get to this point, right? With technical, Oh, that you know, never happens. No never. Way. No oh, way. God, no. <laughs> what am I talking about? Uh, I must be thinking about a different day. Yeah, so, no, but I mean, we don't have the luxury of sitting face to face. And so online, we have to overcompensate a little bit. So I've, you know, I, I add a little edge, a little punch, because that's me in person. And uh, you overcompensate a little bit online. So my the second sentence of my bio is, if your baby's ugly, it's my job to tell you, which means if you have a bad idea, I'll break it to you based on research and based on what I think is going to work for your brand. I follow, you know, research. An idea is great, but an idea paired with research is always better. And then I follow my intuition. I've never been wrong. You know, I've done a lot of really cool project works, worked with a lot of really interesting people. So that's what I do as a brand strategist, more or less. Well, you, that's so how I say it in one sentence. I'll tell you, when I read that, I, I, I think that's the only Twitter bio that's ever actually made me laugh out loud. So I mean, and it immediately showed me that you're, you've got a sense of humor, but it tells me yes. what you're saying without saying, I am a, you know, a strategist and I blah, 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 boring next person yeah. you know totally so charlie sheen you interned for him almost um actually about sorry four, i should, I should correct yourself you auditioned to intern for charlie sheen correct this is what and happens when i scan my notes rather than read the notes no no <laughs> I, I, and actually no a lot of people thought that i actually did the internship but jumped on i'll tell this story really quick Four, almost five years ago, grad, uh, I grew up in Canada. I did my undergrad at Western, uh, moved to Florida for a year, went to Full Sail University, did my master's in entertainment business. Within two months of wrapping up at Full Sail, I entered with 90,000 people to be Charlie Sheen's social media Oh, intern. my God. Yeah, so I made it to the top 50 in this contest. Thank God for Canada, let me just say, because in, in this campaign to become Charlie Sheen's social media intern at the peak of his craziness in the media, Canada loved the story. And as you may know, in Canada, there's a law. 30% of all content must be Canadian. And I think yes. what they did was they talked about Charlie Sheen and then they used me because I built this buzzworthy internship competition at the age of you know 22 i had a website tiger blood fill i had this whole campaign i was contacting canadian press which meant four waves of coverage i did over a hundred tv radio print interviews in fact at some point i'll go and show you the article that i have over here somewhere on my shelf that is it, it, i have it laminated because it was the best and worst thing it said uh Sorry, Sheen, I think, hello, Seacrest. And so <laughs> the Toronto Star decided that I dropped out of the competition, basically, that I took this internship with Ryan Seacrest. And then Ryan Seacrest, the VP, called me and said, what are you doing? Why are we, you're, you haven't even started interning for us, because that was the whole thing was, you know, I, I got this opportunity with Ryan Seacrest. And I was like, yes, that's what I actually want. I don't want to work for Charlie Sheen. I want to work for Ryan Seacrest. That's my dream. And so VP calls me at Ryan Seacrest, uh, Ryan Seacrest Productions. He says, are you sitting down? And I'm like, no, but I will. 
like, what's going on? He says, Ryan's not happy. Here I thought I was getting a call to congratulate me on all the press coverage and all the buzz that I had stirred up for him for free. Okay. Okay. And so, and so then he says, Ryan's not happy. We can't take you on as an intern. Meanwhile, I'd never been to California in my entire life, was set to move, lived right around the corner from E. I didn't have a car. I don't drive. I'm like, that's it's perfect setup. Two weeks before, I'm set to move out to California. I get the internship pulled away from me, basically, and I wasn't allowed to talk about it. So all summer, you know, oh, Phil moved to L.A. He's working for Ryan Seacrest, this, you know, Canadian, you know, small town boy, whatever. Couldn't talk about it other than to like close friends and stuff. I was like, it didn't happen. So that was how my career started. I moved to LA. I didn't know a single person. I had no job, no internship lined up, nothing. I moved so your here career with- started by not interning for Charlie Sheen or Ryan Correct. Seacrest. I just, wanna, I just wanna point that out. Yes. And it's worked out very well for you. <laughs> it has. I mean that. That's not sarcastic. No, it has. I mean, it's, I, I have the greatest I job in the entire world. I could hop on an airplane tomorrow uh, and go wherever I feel like it and continue working and my clients don't care. It's one thing to have success in what, whatever that means to you. It could be money. It could be freedom. For me, it's freedom more than anything else. The ability to do whatever I want. I can sit here in pajamas if I so feel like it. And I get to do that because that's what I want to do. I'm my own boss. I'm an entrepreneur by mistake. Really, truly. I mean, had it not been (laughs) for what had happened to me, the reassurance through media that, oh, Phil, like, you're, you can do this, you know, like you can do social media and you can build brands. You've done it for yourself. Now I've got something tangible to say to others. Here's what I can help you with. And that's how it's all started for well, me. Speaking of building brands, you might realize that I'm wearing a shirt with my own name on it because did notice. this is part of my building a brand, having myself on my own t-shirt with my name. Yes, <laughs> I think that's brilliant. Well, there we go. It's brilliant. I like that. <laughs> so, Phil, you've, you've built personal brands for many celebrities and entrepreneurs, including mm-hmm. one of our past guests, Judy Stickey, who's mm-hmm. awesome and has so many good things to say about you. I love um, her. Love her, too. She's great. Um, can, can you maybe tell us a, a couple of your career highlights and, and maybe if there's been sort of one specific big turning point in your career? Yes. Um, I, I've worked with, I mean... I would say working with my first celebrity client was really exciting to have someone really fancy and important hire you. And, 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 and I've worked with a few now. Um, I wish I could name them all, but I'm really technically not allowed to, so I better not. But I mean, you named some of the shows I've worked on. I've worked with clients on Shark Tank, Sharks and Entrepreneurs. I've worked with, you know, um, all the American Idol Dancing with the Stars, So You Think You Can Dance, I mean, on a lot of, a lot of the networks in the U.S., um, but to have someone like that, you know, hire you and be like, I have confidence in what you can do. What I've learned a lot by working with people like that is that it's not so much about the deliverable, it's about the trust. That's a relationship that's based on trust. When someone is a public figure, there's a lot of people trying to get in and get attention and get something out of it. When someone like that comes to you and says, I trust you to handle this for me, um, it's that I would say that was definitely a career highlight. Um, flying to Japan this year to deliver a keynote at iMedia Summit in Miyazaki was also a highlight because I stood on stage in front of 300 senior marketers, Japanese. A few of them spoke English, but not many of them. And I literally delivered a keynote talk that was translated word for word so that they understood. So 
this was crazy. I'm standing on stage. First of all, let's not actually not forget about this part, the introduction, which was like reading it off. And then, and then all the lights went off and this music played and I walked out on a runway. Okay. Not a model, just a brand strategist, but still it was this huge spectacle. So I stand there right on my, yeah, right on my mark. Okay. And I'm looking around such a quiet audience. I'm used to America where everyone's hooting and hollering and talking while I'm trying to speak. Oh my God. I'm standing there. It's so quiet. Not once in 45 minutes did someone lean over to the person beside them and whisper. Not once because I would have seen it. It was so quiet that I could hear. And I'm standing there thinking, I'm speaking to you, but very few of you can actually even understand exactly what I'm saying. So there's translators at the back in their special little box. And everyone's wearing earpieces like it's the UN. And and. It was just a fun experiment for me, like to not only deliver a talk that's useful because I'm a keynote and they've flown me there, but also to like think about what I'm saying because every second of it is being translated into their earpieces. It was so quiet that I heard this buzz through the room and I could hear the translators collectively through the earpieces translating what I was saying. That was another highlight. Those were two like big ones, I would say, uh, as I look back, but just creating all of this. Third one would be just creating all of this by the age I've turned 27 in December. So I'm, I am proud of what I've done, but I love what I do. And what I do is an extension of my passion. So it's a business and I do this to make money, but I do it because I love it. So it doesn't feel like work. If everyone can find themselves in a job that feels that way, I mean, that's that's what everyone wants and everyone should have in an ideal world. That's the dream right there. Definitely. Yeah, and tell us a little bit about your book, Shut Up and Tweet. Sure. So, um, a few. Oh, look at that. Someone told yeah. me that. There we Someone's go. We got, got a it. fan. Someone loves um, it. Yes, we're bridging the Atlantic with Shut Up and Tweet right now. Yes. Is what's happening. I have some <laughs> over here on my shelf. I wrote a book because I spoke at the California Women's Conference last year, and the CEO challenged me to write a book two months before the conference itself. She's like, Phil, you don't have a product? You don't have anything to sell? Write a book. I was like, uh, write a book. I don't even read. I have the shortest attention span on the face of the planet. How on earth am I going to write a book? <laughs> wrote a book. Um, and so I wrote it as a short, little, quick, to the point, punchy book that would be useful for people no one wants to read a book about Twitter. So I kept it short and to the point and useful. And so I believe that Twitter is still the only social media platform where you can, you have control over its growth and you can access a targeted audience for free. I mean, I mean, you know how, how rapidly social media and internet marketing changes to be able to still say that even a year and a half later is pretty amazing. I think it's the most useful social media platform for lean budgets I don't get a lot of people that come to me working with personal brands and say, Phil, I have all this money I want to spend on advertising. That doesn't happen. So I, I'm always looking, how can we leverage and, you know, how can we use social media in an in a unconventional way to help you reach your goal? And I think Twitter is that platform not Facebook, not, you know, many others. So that was kind of my, my, my motivation and inspiration to write the book was, you know, look, I, I taught classes here in LA for a few years. And I said to a few of my students, what's the most useful thing you've ever learned from me? And they said, your Twitter strategy, it's helped me grow thousands of followers, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, perfect. I'll write a book. That's, that's really anyone wanting to write a book out there. And there's a lot of people who do. That's my recommendation. One, 
ask people who know you what the most important thing is that they've ever learned from you. Two, make a list of all the questions you get frequently, 40 to 50 questions, write answers to them. You will not believe how easy it is to turn, take the questions out, reformat. You've got a book. Done. Well, this is, uh, this is uh, very interesting that you're talking about this because uh, yes. Ross right here is currently <clears throat> writing his first book. He uh, sure is. It's really exciting, is. which is, uh, if you don't mind me saying, Ross, I, I believe it's, uh, to sum it up, the book is about how to engage with an aud- with your audience and actually not just be a separate entity from, like, for musicians, not to be a separate entity from your audience. But I, Ross can explain a little bit better. Yeah, so basically, I'm big on relationships within the music industry. I feel that music is a relationship business, whether it's relationships that you have with other musicians or your fans or other people in the industry. So I'm kind of wanting to write a bit about um, how you can grow and nurture these relationships to get to a point where you can be very more more open and transparent with your audience in the hope that you know by being more open and transparent that you can gain more support because that's something that I get asked a lot and a lot of people talk to me about is um, that they feel they don't have the support from their fans but the fans at the same time don't know how they can support yeah they want to support the artists they They just don't know they just don't know you know Um, but yeah that's that's exciting yeah so now I need to just uh, write down the 40 to 50 questions you take those notes and you apply it man (laughs) That's all you do. That's all you do. I mean, you, so, but that's, but that's really interesting insight is, you know, what you're writing the book on based on what people ask you about and based on a need you mentioned like, you know, wow, it's people will say to me, it's crazy what you've done by the age of 27, what you've grown. And I've been at this for four years now. Um, You want to know why is because, and this is, I'm so passionate about this when I'm working with clients, when I'm teaching seminars, conferences, it's not about you. Something that you do for yourself is a hobby. If you get enjoyment out of and you get pleasure from doing something, that's called a hobby. But until it satisfies someone else's need, it's not a brand or a business. And I feel the word brand and business are interchangeable. Branding is business. It's not this. We're not just making things look pretty and shipping you off and saying, here you go. Here's your new logo. Like, who cares? If you don't have a business, you don't have a brand, you don't have something that people need, you're not going to you're not going to get what you want, you know? If you're looking to have, you know, turn what something you love into your job, into your livelihood, then it needs to not be something just for you. It needs to be something others need. So I I'm saying this because I think Ross, you've done a really good job of identifying what it is people need from you and now turning that into a scalable entity that allows you to sell a book that's going to be useful for people so we don't want we don't care what people want we care what people need people don't spend money freely on wants okay but they do spend money on needs um and even if it's something silly it could be a purse it could be a watch it could be something it could be a guitar it could be something that you probably don't need but in your head you know it's something you need that's what people spend money on and so I think you've, you've done a good job of, of not just writing a book on what you want to write it on. You want to write a book on what others are going to find useful, and that's going to make it easier to promote it. But just like yourself, Phil, like it is, I, I believe with Ross, it's coming from a place of passion at the same time. You know what I mean? It mm-hmm. is. Oh, I yeah, think, yeah. Ross, I don't think you could sit down and start writing a book if it weren't something that you believe in, something with the goal of helping other people, which it seems like what you're doing as well, Phil. You want to help other people, but at the same time, you're smart about it, and you have a lot of fucking fun doing it. 
Totally. Right. So speaking about fun, uh, you ready for 20 questions? Let's do it. All right. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Meat or veggies? Always veggies. Good for you. TV or Netflix? TV. We don't even need to ask this question, but yeah. Twitter or Facebook? <laughs> Twitter. Twitter or Twitter? Or Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> Yoga or yogurt? Yogurt. Friends or Seinfeld? Neither. I don't like either of them. I hate both of them with a bloody burning passion. <laughs> I know. We'll move on. East Coast or West Coast? West Coast. Vampires or zombies? Zombies. Mac or PC? Mac. Canada or Scotland? Oh, God. Uh, Finally. Uh, Canada. Finally. Actually, no, Canada gets a lot. Canada gets a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor Swift or uh, Taylor Lautner? Taylor Lautner? Are you kidding me? Hello. <laughs> Education or experience? Experience. I like that. I'm with you on that. Family guy or American dad? Mm, family guy. Style or substance? Oh, that's the hardest one you've asked me so far. I knew that would be. Uh, substance. Nice. Because, you know, does that not last longer? Mm-hmm. It does. And exactly. you can't have style without substance. Michael Jackson or Michael Bolton? <laughs> Michael Jackson. <laughs> but it was close, right? It was a close call. <laughs> you, you almost went for the paragraph. Yeah. <laughs> Celine Dion or Marilyn Manson? Oh, are you kidding me? You're speaking to the guy who was in the second row of the Celine Dion concert less than a month ago in Vegas? No Celine Dion, uh-huh. Is she still sounding as great as she used to? It was, you could, even if you hated Celine Dion, there's no way you wouldn't enjoy her Vegas I, concert. Just saying. I can't deny her voice. I don't listen to her, but I can't deny that amazing voice. Can't deny and She's it. funny. She's really? so quirky and weird. I love her. Yeah, nice. she's she's like... She's just a walking meme. I love her. <laughs> Ricky Gervais or Ricky Martin? Um, Ricky Martin, for obvious reasons. <laughs> Whale or kale? Whale, like as in the animal? Yes. Yeah. Whale. Bette Midler or the Riddler? Bette Midler. And finally, drum roll. Uh, Ross or Marcio? Oh, that's tough. I like the combination of both of you. Yeah. Is that is that is that answer too safe? It is safe but for you. Yeah. For you, ninety percent of people have said that. So I want you to yeah. be bold. I want you I thought, to be. Yeah, you're someone. That I thought I was expecting yeah. just a definitive answer and just like this is what I think. You know? No, because here's why I can't give. Well, uh, if I could give you a definitive answer, you'd know you'd get one. At least you know that. That's true. I mean, <laughs> I know I've known Ross a lot longer, and I've so, been to Scotland to visit him. But you're from Canada, so there's a little oh, bit of an true. inherent bond there. That is true. Yeah. Well, I will take this. Yeah. Is it a Ross? Or Moss? It's a Ross. It's a, yeah, Rossio. Rossio Moss. You, that's yeah, a, you that's can, our, you're newer. Ross, so Ross goes first because I've known him longer. Rossio. Right. That's, that's the cool. Answer. That's cool. That's my final answer. <laughs> Let's take that. Well, that was fun. Uh, we want to, we want to help out the musicians and or any creatives watching uh, or listening to this this show right now. We'd really like to know if you have three of the most important things that an artist should do to brand themselves. Um, I guess particularly on social media. Yes. Let's. I'm going to give you an answer in under a minute. I'm going to tell you three things in under a minute. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do ready. this. 
Okay, for all creatives, step number one, position your brand. We talked a little bit about this, something you love with something others need. That is the formula for positioning your brand. Once it's positioned, build your brand, which is just having something to show for it. Your brand identity, your website, your social media profiles, and your photography is the one area that most people forget. But in fact, I believe it's the most important. If you're looking to differentiate yourself in a very competitive creative market, photography. Once you have, once you've positioned your brand, once you've built it, then you get to cross the bridge to promote it, right? You get, you, you get to actually like put it out there in a way that's going to make most sense. You have to isolate, you know, identify where your audience is, use social media, use online marketing, do what other people aren't doing and take a risk. And that's how you'll get noticed with, uh, among the mediocrity out there. There's a lot of mediocre. Do something that's memorable. Stand out. Rise above the noise. That's my advice on Absolutely. three things in under a minute. Could you could you um, elaborate just a little bit on the position, the first step? Um, what does that truly mean to an artist? How do they how do they position themselves? That's my universal formula for every single market. But I like that. Let's talk specifically about how it applies to uh, musicians. Sure. Um, because it really is, I would say more so than, than usual, it's gotta, it's gotta be, it's not, you're not just, it's not business really, but there is a business element to it as you would have learned from Judy Stanky. Um, I think it's, it's, I think, yeah, the, the balance between something you're passionate about and something you're good at and something others want. And, and, it's yeah, it's really interesting because it's I think it's gonna there's gonna be a number of variables that that determine what it is you do. But I would say everything you go to do, let it not just be something from a place of passion, but also be aware of what people are responding to. What are your most downloaded tracks? What songs are most tweeted or what do people like? Or go to your fans and get feedback on what they like. Like a business would launching a product. No, be informed on what it is people are responding to well and maybe what people are not responding to as well. And that really should be a consideration moving forward if you want to take your career from hobby to business. You have to satisfy a need. Even musicians do. That would I, be I already advice. hear the musicians thinking, oh, but that's not authentic. But you know what? It can be authentic. And I'll tell you how sure it can. as a musician myself. Um, as a songwriter, you write all kinds of songs. I don't just, like, personally, I don't just write one type of song. I've written tons of songs that probably wouldn't even fit on the same record, but when it comes out to putting out a record, yeah, you do have to kind of think, well, what do I want to share with people? And, you know, am I going to put this metal song on this pop rock record? Probably not. You know, and it, it you can still be authentic by, you know, you can still strike a balance. You can still put a couple of those one, ones on uh, songs on a record you really want people to hear. But, but you do be aware of, you know, what, what do your fans want to hear? You know what I mean? Don't, don't write something for them because then it's not going to be authentic. But mm -hmm. is, is that making sense? You know, that's it's how I kind of look at it. Balancing. It's balancing all of those elements. And one yeah. other thing that you touched on that I think is to think about your album or whatever it is you're creating as a collection, as a brand. Like if, if it's what you're creating, all of these individual pieces work together as one to illustrate what you're about and why people should care. Absolutely. So, so it, there, 
even though it's not really visual, I mean, sure, you've got like literally visual elements. You've got cover art, you've got, you know, um, promotional images and, and, you know, website, all this kind of visual photography representation of what it is you're creating. But musically, there's, you're building a brand with every album or every collection, whatever it is. I say album, I think it's still the most relevant, even though people are less likely to listen from start to finish, although that's still how I listen to music. I still listen to it in Ross. I I believe there are more of us out there than you think. I think so too. I would agree with you, but I think to keep in mind that you're building a brand and that you don't have to do everything all at once. So in Ross, you'll, you'll find this when you're writing your book. I wanted to write, I was like, I'm going to add a bunch of stuff about branding, branding, branding in my book about Twitter. No, no, keep it focused. Keep it Give it purpose. What motivates you to create this brand, knowing that down the down the line you're going to have ideas and 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 the ability to elaborate. You don't have to do it all at once. Have a focus. Have an angle. Your opinion, your perspective, is something to be considered with what it is you're creating. You know, I have dichotomy in me here uh, talking about this because, uh, you know, my my side, I believe in being completely genuine, authentic, which I am, and that's what I pride myself on. That's my brand, I guess. It's just it's mm-hmm. me being truthful and honest. But at the same time, you know, behind the scenes, you do look at what you have. Now, like I've, I'm writing for my my second record, and I've got Ross, what close to thirty songs. You know, now I'm sitting back yeah. thinking, okay, not only what are the best songs, but what songs do I want people to hear, and what what goes together, and also, you know, especially since my my as an artist, I use my name. What do I want people to hear as Marcio Novelli? You know. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's going to, that's going to include a couple maybe weird songs that I want to show a side of my personality, but it's also going to include, you know, some of my better songs and some of the more, um, poppy songs, I guess that will be heard. If that makes any sense. Does that make sense? It's, but it's completely authentic and genuine to me. There's no, it's just after the fact being smart about what you get out there, you're not going to put out 30 songs in an album. It's a balancing act. And I think my advice comes from a place of making the assumption that, an artist wants to do this for a living. And so to think that you can just create this stuff because you're so good and you're so talented and everyone's going to want it, that's naive. It just, I mean, maybe one in a million. That's just not how it works. So if you want to keep keep it as a hobby, play in your basement and you want to have an audience, fantastic. Otherwise, if you want to turn this into a career, yes, keep the authenticity, which is why people are drawn to you. They have a relationship with you. They want to learn, you know, um, I I work more with TV hosts than I do with artists. And when I'm working with hosts, we say, you want to have a friendship with your audience, even though they'll never meet you, your delivery and your presentation and your, your art allows people to feel like they know you. And, and I think that's true for musicians. However, you need to be aware of what people want. You need to do market research. You need to know. And that's advice for people who want to do this as a career. Otherwise, you, just, you have to know what people want and what people are responding to. Otherwise, it stays a hobby, in my opinion. Phil, you're awesome. I think everyone should definitely go to your website. That's uh, philpallen.co, P-H-I-L-P-A-L-L-E-N.co. And your Twitter and Instagram is uh, philpallen. Mm-hmm. Consistent branding. We always mm-hmm. talk about that yeah. on the show. Very, and you very, just very launched good. your podcast as well. Uh, no filter, which is spelled no fill, as in your name. Ter. Um, we'll add the we'll add the link to, the, to that in the show notes. Um, people can search for it on iTunes. It's awesome. Cool. You loved your interview with uh, Judy Stakey. Um, Thank you. 
looking forward to hearing more. Perfect. Yes. And I'm currently writing for my next solo album. And I've just uh, recently allowed my side project, Midnight Soundtracks, debut on Foreplay, to be downloaded for free in exchange for your email address, which is uh, exciting on both ends. Uh, you can hear my music on marcinavelli.com. So make sure to follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Spotify, which are all slash Marcianovelli. I'm working on websites for various artists at the moment. Um, and as I said earlier, I'm researching for my new book, which uh, I'm very excited about. And uh, I'm sure I'll be telling you all more about that soon. Uh, you can check out my work at electrickiwi.co.uk. You'll find me on Twitter and Instagram as Electric Kiwi and on Facebook as Electric Kiwi Design. This episode was brought to you by Chris Keaton Presents. Find out more about what Chris does and how he can help you at chriskeaton.com. And if you'd like to sponsor the show, visit patreon.com slash bridge the Atlantic. Yes, and please do help sponsor the show. We do this for uh, free to help spread uh, love, creativity, and help uh, not only share the amazing things that artists are doing out there, but also to help aspiring uh, musicians, filmmakers, artists, creatives of all kind to help build themselves up. So we can only keep doing the show with the support of uh, our patrons. So definitely go to patreon.com slash bridge the Atlantic and uh, you can uh, sponsor us for as low as a dollar. This has been awesome, Phil. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me. It's been fun. Thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Bridge the Atlantic. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave a rating and review on iTunes. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So connect with us on there and let us know what you think of the show. Thanks for being awesome, and we'll see you next week. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.